serve of others without expectation of reward or thanks. Do it because it is the right thing to do. It does make you feel good. It does give you a life of purpose. Welcome to Playmakers On Purpose. I'm your host, Paul Epstein, 15-year NFL and NBA business exec, widely known as the 49ers Y coach, now your coach. In this transformational podcast that takes purpose from an out-of-reach North Star to a practical and tactical exploration of how we can take action on purpose every day. This is your all-access pass to a tribe of leaders in business, sports, and life who are ready to share their playbook where purpose becomes the igniter of the impact and the performance that we're all after. As we ramp up toward today's episode, pull out your notepad so we can make plays and level up on purpose together. Playmakers, it's about that time to welcome Eva Saha into the conversation. Eva is a professional host, MC, and moderator, interviewing the likes of Magic Johnson, Colin Powell, James Carville, Serena Williams, Michael J. Fox, even Bill Nye, the science guy. What I love is she doesn't just interview the who's who of the world, she goes deep into who they are and how their purpose has led them to where they are today. This gift has also led Eva to be the host of choice for client events at Cardinal Health, Women in IT Awards, and Thomson Reuters, to name a few. All this after a decorated career as a TV personality on the Emmy Award-winning entertainment show, 190 North on ABC. I hope that you are as fired up for the conversation with Eva as I am. And as a reminder, many of today's top takeaways can be found in the show notes on PlaymakersPod.com. With that, let's welcome Eva Saha into the Playmakers Podcast. Eva, welcome to Playmakers. How are we doing? So good. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to see your face, Paul. Of course. Yes, we are fired up to have you and introduce you to the Playmaker community. So Eva, here's where we got to start. For one, the way that you and I have locked arms and we know one another is we are both members, proud members of the Gotham Artist Speaking family. So shout out to Gotham Artists. Just want to get that out there. Yeah, very proud. We love Gotham. They're amazing. Absolutely. So by day, I'm going to give a little bit of your bio here because maybe there's some introductions that need to be taken. But by day, you are pro host, MC, moderator, been involved with some Emmy award-winning shows, and you have sat on stages across from the likes of a Magic Johnson, a Venus Williams, a Colin Powell, a James Carville, a Michael J. Fox, and a Bill Nye the Science Guy. No big deal, Miss Eva Saha, but here is where I want to plug our audience in. Before that, accountant, attorney, actress, how the heck do we go from accountant, attorney, actress into the seat you're in? Walk us through a bit of that journey. Oh, my God. I know when you say it back to me, I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, because if you would have told me way back when, when I was in college and studying finance in the business school at Michigan, I would have said, if you would have told me I would be here now, I'd say, Paul, you're a crazy man. Um, it's actually happened pretty much organically, which is sort of how I go through life. It's funny because I've seen your, your blog post on all the different values and, and asking people to, to sort of identify the ones that resonate. Well, all of them resonate with me, but the one that really jumped out was authenticity. 
because I sort of feel like I've always responded to my own inner compass, what I want to do in life. I say yes to opportunities. Uh, later on in acting, I learned of this term called yes and in improv. If, if somebody starts an improv and you say no, the scene is dead, right? You have to say yes and and build on it. It's funny, you and I have talked about this before when we met socially, and I remember telling you that I say yes and, but I don't say yes to everything. I say yes to things that feel right for me. So I go to business school. I actually go to the University of Michigan intending to be a doctor, and I did a little bit better in my econ and accounting classes than I did my pre-med classes, so there I went. Then I loved business law the most in business school, so I decided to be a lawyer. But in between, I did. I, I, I was an accountant for Amico. And the funny thing is, they only hire accountants and engineers right out of college. But I wanted to study finance. So even when I went to Amico, I got myself put on special projects. I wormed my way up into treasury so that I could do more finance, even though it was only MBAs. So I just follow my own path, what I want to do. The next thing you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my, you know, my journey in business school. I love business law. Let me go to law school. I loved corporate law the most. Let me study, you know, corporate law. Then I have a child and I was like, oop, crick in the master plan. I thought I was going to be a partner and that was going to be it. But, you know, turns out I wanted to be a stay at home mom. So really it's just, it's just this organic process. So then when a friend asked me, do you want to be in a short film? I said, yes, and because that sounded fun. It didn't sound like something that was a chore. It sounded like great guy, great opportunity, great fun, just a test shoot. Never acted a day in my life. I was in the choir at JBS High School in St. Louis, but other than that, and had so much fun, just kept going with it. Took an acting class, you know, met an said, agent. yes, and, right? Yeah, yes, yes and, and yes, started and. To, it, it propelled the momentum. Yep. Absolutely. And it wasn't that I knew the direction I was going, but I was still following my compass to lead me to that next step. So something sounded right to me. Something sounded fun to me. And I said, yes, and. So even like when my friend who asked me to be in the film, he said, oh, you're so good at this. You should, you know, you should be an actor. I didn't just jump at that. I said, well, I don't know if that resonates with me. I was an accountant. I was an attorney. I'm a stay-at-home mom. But that was super fun. I would take an acting class. So I didn't take somebody else's advice as to what I should do. I took my own advice as to what I wanted to do, having been through the yes and process, you know? And so I went yes and to the acting class and one thing led to another and here I am with you. I love it. I love it. All right. So let's unpack this. I want to double click on yes and, but I also want to quadruple click on your compass because the way I'm interpreting it is we each have a compass, an internal compass. So every playmaker listening in right now has that compass inside of them. We can brand it as self-awareness. We can uh, call it this internal look, especially lately in the pandemic. A lot of us have looked within ourselves to ask ourselves who we are, why we do what we do, also who we want to become. So those are kind of the questions that have been circulating in my mind. What perspective would you give everybody listening in to say, maybe somebody listening doesn't feel like they have a grasp of their compass? They're, they don't have a great feel for who they are from the inside, but they want that. What are some tactical things that we can start to do today to understand our compass better so therefore we can make decisions like you made to say yes and? It's a great question. Paul, you know, I looked at all of your, your value systems and what successful people do, what they look inside themselves and they decide, what do you identify with? And as much as I love those to help people identify what resonates with them, what 
makes them tick? What makes them say, yes, I want to get out of bed and do something and not have to do the Mel Robbins three, two, one, go because they want to just go. You know what I mean? <laughs> Mel says, like, if you don't right, want to get right, out of right. bed, I get it. right. And you don't want to get, she's a fellow Gotham person, or at least Gotham hires her sometimes. You know, she says, if you don't want to work out just, and you're laying in bed, just say three, two, one, and you'll get out of bed. What doesn't require the three, two, one in you? It's so funny because even though I love all those things, all the value systems so that people can start to think about what is their why, what's their purpose, sometimes that can be overwhelming. And to tell you the truth, there's so much noise out there. There's so much advice out there. There's so much social media telling us who we should be, who we can be, um, what's expected of us. But I believe that every single person, like you said, has it in them. Inertia is not a comfortable state, not for the universe and not for anybody. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has something inside of them that drives them, that makes them excited. They just get crowded and over sort of populated by everybody else's expectations. Did my mother want me to be a doctor? Does social media tell me that that woman is thin and she can be an Instagram model? Does my brother have the best job in the world and is so well respected and I want to be like him? The truth of the matter is my dad jokes about how he can't believe that I'm being paid to talk. Talking for me, though, it's not just about talking. It's about listening. It's about connecting with people. And that's just what I did from a very early age. He, he told me, he said, you know, it's funny that you do the job now because when you were little, we couldn't stop you from going up to people and saying, um, hi, my name's Eva. Do you want to be my friend? Tell me all about yourself. <laughs> That's just who I was as a person. And now fast forward many years. I'm not going to tell you quite how many. I'm doing exactly what I was meant to do. I connect with people. I try to learn about people. I have this natural curiosity that always, I just always wanted to know about people. I love human interaction. So just, it's so easy. We all have it in us. We know exactly what makes us happy and what doesn't. You know, when somebody goes to a job every day and they're like, I dread it. But I like this particular part of my job. Why not hone in on that part and be like, what else could I do that takes that job and amplifies it? When I was a corporate and securities lawyer, I loved negotiating. I loved connecting with people. Yes, I was good at the documents. Yes, I was good at analytical thinking. But my best feature was my ability to communicate with my clients. When I connected and I learned what their problem was and I wanted to solve it for them or help them be their best selves, that was my favorite part of the job. Now, did I know that I could do that with companies now, go interview a CEO and bring the best out of him and highlight his company or her company? No, I didn't know that. But that's when you follow the yes and respond to things that really feel good for you and maybe talk to people like Paul, you and I are having a conversation. If I wouldn't have talked to my friend Blair about acting in this short film, I would have never known the possibilities. You know, we're not in this alone. Start to think about the things that make you really happy, that really get you out of bed in, in the morning. And then talk to people if you have to. Talk to a therapist. Talk to a life coach if that helps you. Or talk to a, a career counselor. Don't do it alone. Talk to your friends. Your friends know more than you think that they know. They know everything, actually. You know, your mother, your father, your brother, sister, friends. Yes, and beg them to be brutally honest because we often say what we think people want to hear or feelings and emotions get baked in. Your closest relationships should just shoot straight, but sometimes they need to be given the permission to. So just want to put that out there too. It's just a massive piece. 
Hallelujah to that, Paul. You are so right because it's so often I will tell people that I don't mind the word confrontation. And I know that confrontation, the word itself has a negative connotation. But to me, it's just communicating with somebody. It's just being direct with somebody. And the people who I consider my best friends are the people who tell me the truth. So I invite people, you know, when you say that, it's a lot to to expect other people to tell you the truth. Invite people to tell you the truth. Invite people to tell you what their best qualities. My friend Shannon, she's always said, I mean, when I started to do this job, she's like, this is what you need to do. Even when it was very early on and I didn't know where it would lead to, I thought it was just a fun thing to do while I was taking care of my kids at home. You know, she's like, this is what you should do because the best part of you is your ability to communicate with people and to engage with people. She's like, I, I sit on an airplane and I like read my book and I close my eyes. You're best friends with everybody on the plane by the time you leave, you know? So yeah, have people tell you the truth. Yeah, and so I wanna bring this back because naturally, okay, for all playmakers and we're wrapping our minds around this thing called purpose. And I agree with you, by the way, for most, it feels like this distant North Star. It feels like something that could potentially be out of touch. And especially when you meet somebody that maybe has tapped into their purpose and then you don't feel that, that can be a very hollow feeling. It's not good. I've been there. I've had a life pre-purpose. I've had a life post-purpose. I coach others to find their purpose and I understand what that transformation looks like. And we're going to come back to it. But I wanted to go back to, you said that one of those values that really did resonate with you was authenticity. You then brought up the word curiosity. And I think that's a great prescription for everybody listening in right now, because if you're being authentic, you know, like you brought up the social media and or comparing ourselves to others or the parent that says you have three options, doctor, lawyer, failure, right? Like, <laughs> that, that could or back to doctor in the case of most Indian parents. We're back to that, right? But but the, the crazy thing is, Eva, that we're so hyper focused on being interesting when perhaps the better play is to be interested. So choose being interested in yourself, in others, in life. If you don't know what gets you out of bed, be interested in probing into that answer versus just trying to be interesting because now we're living on other people's terms and therefore we step away and we sacrifice some of our authenticity when we do that. Gosh, there is so much that you just said that I want to respond to. But first, the first thing that just sort of like went ding, ding, ding was when you were saying something about um, being interested instead of interesting. There's an acting concept that instead of like playing sad, you should look at your partner and do something to your partner or to react about your partner. Individuals on their own. It's a little boring. Like if I was just giving a speech right now, everybody would be bored. But because I've got the great Paul Epstein having a conversation with me, it's so much more interesting. (laughs) No, it's just it's just more interesting dialogue between people. One person is great. Two people, there's synergy. There's electricity that can come. You know, one plus one can often equal 10. You know what I mean? But one person sitting alone can just be one. So, I mean, maybe they get to a two or a three. But, you know, when you sort of delve into being interested in somebody else, they can teach you something. You think you know everything, of course, right? But they can teach you something. They can they can even bring something out of you, like you said. People can bring other things out of you. So I, I think that that's really important. But I also want to go back to this thing that you said about how authenticity is that sort of thing for me that resonated the most out of your values. The truth of the matter is, I actually think that authenticity leads back to all of these different things. So I think the most important thing is you should be yourself. You should not defer to other people's expectations of, of you. You should not defer to 
other people's wants or should be's for you. Oh, you're really good at math. You should be an accountant. Well, I will tell you something. I don't want to be an accountant. That is not my favorite thing to do. Okay. Just because I was good at math. So if you are authentic, if you are being your true self, if you are really relying on your internal compass and deciding how you want to live your life on account of that, it touches all those other value systems. I'm a curious person. If I'm authentic, I'm going to be curious. If I'm being authentic and true to myself, I want to be of service to other people. And that's not just for me. I think every single person, maybe not the narcissist who has a condition, but every single person has an altruistic personality inside of them. It just feels better to do for others. How many times have you heard, oh, it's so much more fun to watch um, your husband or your spouse, whatever it is, open that present that they love so much than even to receive a present. I mean, so my husband wanted his the basement to look like Buffalo Wild Wings. So in addition to our big TV, <laughs> I got him three small TVs to go above it. Um, I couldn't, I could not sit there under the Christmas tree this year because I was like, I can't wait until the last present of the day. I couldn't wait until my husband opened those TVs and you should have seen the look. He's like, no way, no way. Besides the fact that we're both a little bit crazy, it was just an exciting moment because we all want to do for others. If I'm being true to myself, I'm going to be a positive person because I'm doing what feels right for me. I'm feeling, I'm doing what makes me happy during the day. Um, the happiness factor is going to be internal to me because I'm doing what I want to do, not what someone else told me to do, because they're not going to have to answer to that. I am. If I fail, it was based on me. So every single that, I mean, I don't have them all written down here, but all of them come back to being an authentic person, doing what is right and best for you. Now, before we move on, Paul, though, I want to just acknowledge the amount of privilege that I have. I had parents who had the resources to put me through this, you know, through the right school systems that would bring me to the places that I am. And I don't believe that I should compare myself to anybody else or somebody should compare themselves to me because I've been afforded an enormous amount of privilege in my life and continue to do so. I decided that what I wanted to do is stay home and, with my kids. Well, I had a husband who could pay the bills and was supportive and allowed me to do that. Right. Not allowed me. He didn't give me permission. It just it allowed me to do it. And but Every successful person that probably anyone has ever met, they followed their own North Star. They followed their own internal compass, whether it's, you know, Chance the Rapper who didn't want to sign on to a label and wanted to do it himself to just the most successful people that everyone knows their name to the person who, you know, is your next door neighbor who is living a beautiful life working at the soup kitchen, serving people every day, and is the happiest woman who I see coming out of her house every single day. All the successful people in not just power or money, but like happiness and contentment and great family relationships and things like that. You know, there's different ways to define happiness. They are all true to themselves. Absolutely. And um, for one, I appreciate your call out there about privilege and everything, because yes, to your point, this is not about comparing ourselves to the left or right within our playmaker community. There are thousands, tens of thousands of folks that no two lives are alike, but what we all have equal access to is to be authentic. It may not be equal access to resources. Unfortunately, it pains me to say that, but we all have a seat at the table of our authenticity if we choose to. So that's the piece. And where I want to bring us back is, you know, you talked about family and the importance of it. I, I do want to come back to that. But before that, when we were speaking about curiosity and you said, 
Because I could tell you're a lifelong learner just by listening to you. And I could tell about your just obsession with curiosity. And again, being on the stages you've been on, sitting across from the who's who of the world. And by the way, I know that you probably get equal excitement from sitting across somebody that maybe the world does not know their name, but there is still some sort of a gem that they said the right thing at the right time and you were ready to hear it and it can transform your life maybe even more than if somebody ultra famous did. But I want to take us to the stages that you've been on because yes, you've sat across from some big names, but you've also sat across from many other folks. And I hate to isolate it to the biggest lesson or the biggest insight because that's a lot to ask. But if I could just say, if there's one that comes to mind, something that truly impacted you, impacted your life, like Eva prior to that conversation was X because of that conversation made a change in her life to become Y. Is there a moment or a conversation that you could bring us into on who said what and how it transformed you? It's interesting that you say that you, you acknowledge that I get as much out of talking to somebody who nobody knows their name, because that's the first person that came to mind when you started asking this question. I, I can probably think of some famous people and we'll get to that in a second. But there is this man who was at a conference. He was a customer of the, the company that I was representing and hosting the show for. And I was going to interview a panel of customers. And this man was from a small town in Africa. I can't remember exactly where he was. And he moved to Georgia and became an independent pharmacist. And he was very nervous to be on stage. And things had been scripted out for him. And, and, and I said, you know, don't worry about that. We're going to go have a conversation out there. And the reason you're on the, on the stage is because you are infinitely interesting yourself and because people want to hear from you. So don't worry about, you know, I, I like to do this talk because it's true. If you're on a stage anywhere, if somebody's inviting you to do something, it's because you're special. So don't doubt yourself. Even if you're not the kind of person that, that speaks well in front of 5,000 people, you have something interesting to offer. So I said, let's just chat about you. And so we're behind, you know, the curtains and we're talking about him. And he tells me the story of this one client who brought him a chicken from their farm. And that was just one of the best presents he had ever gotten. And it was all about how he couldn't believe that somebody would bring a chicken from their farm, from their limited amount of chickens you know, for him to have, for him to do whatever he wanted with it, whether it was going to have eggs or he was going to roast the chicken, whatever he was going to do with the chicken. It was the best present, but all the lesson that I learned from that was what he got from it. And that was, it's all about connecting with people. I'm a pharmacist. They're supposed to give me their insurance card or their money, but this person gave me a chicken. And it's because every day I serve my clients and I communicate with them and I connect with them because they mean something to me. And I just... I don't think it's a lesson I didn't know. It was just a reminder that everything boils down to human connection. We're all on this earth for a limited time. Even if you believe in a different life or reincarnation, this body, this soul is on, in, on this plane for one life. And no amount of money, no amount of power, no amount of prestige is going to bring you that happiness. It's about human connection. Now, if you do it right, if you live your authentic self and you have that human connection, things will come. I believe that abundance will come. But I just, I just love that lesson. It's about human connection and look what it will bring you. He got a chicken out of it. You know what? Because he's a good person and he worked hard at his job and he cared about people. All right, Playmakers. It is now time to find your why. In collaboration with my partners at the Why Institute, you have access to the most high impact assessment to find your why that will help you know who you are, know how you think, and know why you do what you do. I believe in this assessment so much that I invested in one for every playmaker out there. Consider it a gift from me to you on purpose. To take your assessment now, 
head over to whyinstitute.com slash playmakers. It only takes five minutes. And the best part, it is absolutely free. If you've already taken it, share it with somebody you know that needs to ignite more purpose in their life. It all starts by finding our why at whyinstitute.com slash playmakers. Let's get back to the show. I want to connect some dots because in the last couple of uh, nuggets of wisdom that you've shared, happiness came up. And I think there's an important point there where, interestingly, happiness is also one of the dozen values that you've referred to about the 12 values that you need to live on purpose. So obviously the, the theme of our show here. But I think what we need to be careful of is falling into what I call the external happiness trap. The I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I get the car or the promotion or the job or I meet this person that doesn't exist in my life or whatever it is. But it's something outside of us. In many cases, it's material, it's some tangible. And then what often happens, because trust me, hey, I'm humble when I say this, but trophy cupboard is there's a lot in there that there's been a lot of external success in my life, but you know what the letdown is, is that it expires. Like I get to what I felt was going to be the top of a mountain and it feels awesome. And usually within like 24 hours, it's kind of scary how fast it happens. I have a letdown and I've shared this with others and they say, me too. Nobody talks about this because we want this external validation of how successful we are and the brands we represent and where we went to school. But now I've realized that internal happiness, that fulfillment, that significance that you feel, that self-worth, that is more purposeful. That internal happiness is way more tied to your purpose than these things that we're raised to go chase. So I just wanted to call that out relative to happiness. Yeah, and I want to say, Paul, too, worse yet, not only do you have the letdown, but then you may develop imposter syndrome. You know, oh my gosh, I have to totally. do better the next time because people expect this of me. Somebody asked me recently, um, where do you want to be then in five years, in 10 years? And I'm like, you know what? I don't live that way. I am so happy with this job right now. If it leads to something else I didn't expect, like everything has led to this point, Great. You know, when I took an acting class, did I think I'd be here with you? No. If it leads to something else, great. If it doesn't, I am so happy what I'm, with what I am doing right at this moment. And to your point... That's so good. And to your point, when you're not doing it, when you're not having that immediate validation... If you look at like the things that make you happy, like what does, what makes me most happy inside? Spending time with my family, serving others. So I do some philanthropy work um, with a, an organization called Resilience, and we work with women who are victims of sexual assault. In my downtime from the next big job or the next famous person, I think, oh, I can take some more shifts with Resilience, and I can meet somebody at the hospital who needs me in this moment to walk them through the medical and the legal. I can spend more time with my family. Don't take it as a, I'm not working right now. I'm not succeeding right now. Take those other things in your life that make you get out of bed without a three, two, one and go do them and be like, oh my gosh, this life affords me so many opportunities to live my authentic self and to do the things that make me excited and, and want to get out of bed for. Yeah. You know, that perfect balance is when you're equally as fired up for the present as you are for the future. Cause that whole, I'll be happy when is so future-based, right? Oh, oh I, I need to get to X. 
But what if on a one to 10 scale, how do you create a life that you are 10 out of 10 excited about today? But also, you know that we're all unfinished products. We all, like it, with a growth mindset, there is no finish line. All you keep doing is stacking days of progress and growth and momentum because life's going to give you some setbacks. There's going to be some failures. I call them learnings. But regardless, yes, that's it. Yes. First of all, that is so okay. You asked me about good advice. My father gave me this great advice when I was young and I was going through some difficult things as a teenager and I was just kind of beating myself about the lessons that I was having to learn, like to put it in your terms. And he said just that. He said, instead of good, bad, and different, I was thinking about bad things that were happening in my life. He said, how about they're just learnings? How about they are just opportunities to reflect on what you did, what you want to do, the kind of person you want to become. You could wallow in that. You could dwell in it. You could not change things. Or you could look at it as a life lesson. It's not like we got a manual on how to live when we were born. You know what I mean? So it's just, instead of thinking it as a bad or a good or... Just think of it as a learning. And by the way, you're such a Buddhist. I love your like living in the now and radical acceptance. You know what I mean? Just do that. And science says your neurotransmitters won't fire badly as much. You know, this is all. It's so funny because I I do think the gratitude, what you're talking about, the learning from life lessons, not beating yourself on the you will become a happier person because your brain will wire in a way that will be more accepting of yourself. One million percent and also another one. And I love it. I, I, I don't know if I've ever been called a Buddhist, but thank you. That is very humbling and <laughs> honoring to have some similar philosophies. But uh, another one that kind of ties into everything we're talking about is, so if you're listening in and for whatever reason, personal, professional, if you feel helpless right now, which there are many of us, uh, Eva and Paul and many of us on days and moments, we feel helpless. The number one remedy is to become helpful because you cannot simultaneously be helpful to somebody and feel helpless inside of you. So it's this wonderful yin and yang that I think we can all take perspective from because the helplessness may be a lot inside of us, but then when we become more service and contribution and impact oriented, that's where the helpful comes Eva, I'd love to bring us to. Well, so I got to just say, I feel dad. like we're in church and I want to do a hallelujah to that because that was just <laughs> it's so true. You cannot be simultaneously helpless and, and helpful or you can't be helpful and feel helpless. You said it better that you know what? I just love. I love that. I love that. OK, I love so many things about what you're saying. Carry on. Well, I love how much you've been talking about family because often in conversations like this, we keep it surface, we keep it business and we go through a bio and look, your trophy cabinet, just like a lot of folks listening in here, we're not short on accolades. But again, a lot of that can be external focused. I know a lot of your story may come from uh, perhaps upbringing or formative years. I, I know in our conversations, it's always been, or another podcast I've heard you on, it's always family is just such a central theme. And, and we've heard it a little bit today. And correct me if I'm wrong, but even in other conversations, I've heard you, uh, a mission statement, it's something that you don't always hear connected to family. In my case, I, I, I know a few things here, but I want to 
preface it by saying this. I, I want you to explain what your family mission statement is and perhaps share a little bit more about those early lessons and insights from your family, but to bring it around to the topic of purpose, because as a purpose consultant, I often get brought into a company in most cases to uh, help institutionalize mission, vision, values. And I think we get so caught up in this mission statement. And what I have learned is Left on its own, it is nothing more than a statement, and over time, it can unfortunately evolve into just being words on a wall because it is a mission statement. The right approach is to inspire and empower everybody in our tribe to be on a mission. So it is not about mission statement. It is about being on a mission, and that's where I think even though you say your family has a mission statement, my gut tells me it's probably more in the spirit of being on a mission. So over to you. Yeah, really the mission statement was was written up by my father and my mother in 2005, but it codified their mission in life. That's all it did. So it, it basically, my dad decided to write it down. He's getting up there in years. He's 86 now. And I think that he felt the need to just sort of write it down on paper so that it would continue to live on in sort of concrete form. Of course, it was living on in his children and how we pass it on to our children and, and so on and so forth, so forth. But that is that all. It, it's just a codification of, of the mission. And and really, my parents wanted us to live by three basic tenets in life. It was education, family and service. Education, they come from small town in Bangladesh. And if it were not for their education, they wouldn't be here today. And it's not, in fact, my, my dad wrote education, both formal and informal. So to your curiosity, it, not everyone has the privilege of being able to, to go to higher education, let's say, but learning can happen on a continuous basis. And that's what, that's what my father and mother meant. Continue to learn, continue to be curious, continue to be interested in people, continue on that growth journey, because otherwise you're just going to be in a state of inertia. And that's not comfortable, like I said, for anybody, not the universe, not people. So it was just to continue to learn. And from that, you will continue to grow and things will come back to you. Family, and it can be family, your family of origin. It can be a family that you marry into. It can be a family you choose because not everyone has the same family situation, but it's keep the people who you love and they love you close to you and always honor them first. And in doing that, you will always be supported. You will always have people who tell you the truth. Again, this propels you to follow your purpose, to do what's right for you and to live your authentic self. And then of course, be of service because you can never be helpless if you are being helpful. Like you said, Paul. Serve of others without expectation of reward or thanks. Do it because it is the right thing to do. And what it doesn't say in the mission statement, but we've talked about a little bit of, of today, and, and I, I know my parents thought this too, is it does make you feel good. It does give you a life of purpose. It does bring you out of yourself and connect with other human beings, which is always a happy place. It's not an external happy place. It's an internal happy place. So they raised us with these tenets in mind, and it's just, it's been my value system. It's been my inner compass, and I try to live life like that, focusing on family and service and education, lifelong learning. And it's, it's just so funny because all of your value statements, I think that they can fold into each of these things, you know, or one can fold into the other, no matter which way you're starting it, you know, but 
it wasn't about, there's nothing in the mission statement about money. There's nothing in the mission statement about prestige. It's not about an end result with my parents. It's about doing. It's about focusing on family. It's about serving others. It's about educating yourself. It's not make the money, achieve that external validation. It's not that. But those things will hopefully bring you to a place of internal contentment and, you know, I was raised Hindu, and will bring karma because you're putting good up into the world, good will come back to you. Mm. Oh, so good. So good. And I know right now you just said that it's about doing. And I agree that the outcome of anything, if you call it action, it is what you do. It's your behaviors. But before that, it's focusing on your being. So I think we get stuck in this whole juggling act of are we being or are we doing and the more that we can kind of understand ourselves, it's this, basically this whole conversation today has been about being, but then to make it count, to actualize it, then you have to do something about it. But at least now you're doing based on that. And it even goes back to this uh, piece and even uh, kind of hot off the press, but, you know, early stages of book two and really aligning thoughts together here. And it's about living life on purpose. And essentially that's aligning our head and our heart and our hands, which is that being versus doing dynamic. And the end state for everybody listening in is, are you living your life on purpose or is life just happening to you? And I'm trying to solve for that second community of people that feel like life is happening to them when it could be happening for them. And that's the whole piece. And I, I think your family dynamic really shined a light on it. Let me ask you this, Eva. I'm going to take a bit of a left turn, but it's all connected to purpose because you've brought that up. And obviously everybody listening in wants to dive deep on that. I have a philosophy, whether accurate or not, I believe it to be true that in oftentimes our pain can be tied to our purpose. So there is some sort of a pain in life that we have experienced and it eventually becomes this thing that we want to solve, whether within ourselves or for others. But as you think about your purpose, how you want to show up each day, as you think about all of the setbacks and the roadblocks and the hurdles and the obstacles that you've had to overcome, talk to us about whether that correlation exists for you, pain, purpose, um, just would love to tap into your mind there because I don't want purpose to just sound like this ultra positive thing. Sometimes we need to go deep into our depths of our history to understand why we're so inspired today about something. Oh, I, Paul, I so agree with you. Back to what we were talking about, how you don't have to look at something that, that, that ha happened in your life that was quote unquote bad as bad. It can just be a learning lesson. And I think that there are, there is not a human on this planet who hasn't experienced pain or obstacles or setbacks. I mean, that that's just part of the yin and yang of life. <clears throat> sure. I, you know, personally and professionally, things have happened that I wish wouldn't have happened in life. But if I reflect back on them, if they hadn't happened, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Now, this is more on a personal note, but, you know, I had a very bad relationship when I was young and don't let him hear this because otherwise he'll get cocky. But I have the best relationship with my husband. And I don't mean best because it's fairy tale. I mean best because we communicate with each other. If we're having a disagreement, we talk to each other. We love each other. As my brother once put it, we put each other first. 
I am, I think that my marital relationship is so successful because I had probably the worst high school relationship. And I know that that sounds kind of silly, like who didn't have a bad high school relationship, but it was no, bad. I get it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into the details, but it was worse than most bad. Um, some terrible, terrible things happen. And I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for that. I wouldn't be serving people the way I'm serving people if I hadn't experienced some bad things. When I was an attorney, I was assaulted by a CEO of a company. And I don't know if that's too deep, too, too much talking about pain, but I don't think I would have been able to help the last few women that I helped through resilience if I hadn't experienced that myself. I wouldn't come from the same place if I hadn't been assaulted myself. So, and, and I'm not saying the degree to which I was assaulted is not the degree to which um, other people who I have served have been assaulted, but still I understand the fear that was going through their minds. I understand the helplessness that was going through their minds. I understand the shame and the, what did I do? And all these kinds of things that maybe I could have read about, but I experienced it. And so I know how to better serve other people. So, like I said, I have an enormous amount of privilege, but I have not been without quote unquote, bad things happening in my life, you know, but like you said, it's, you know, did they happen to us or are they somehow happening for us? And I, I sort of feel like even the bad, you can take that formula that you talked about and, and, and it applies. Whatever has happened in your life, what is it going to do for you now? How is it going to serve you now? How are you going to take that and change things? Are you going to help other people? Are you going to live a different life? Are you going to go in a different direction, maybe a better direction for you? You know what I mean? Even being an accountant, God bless Amico Chemical. They were amazing. I had great bosses, but it was so boring. <laughs> but that's okay because then I knew what I didn't want to do. And then, <laughs> they didn't hear that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but then I wanted, but that, but not for other people. Like I had friends in business school who are the best accountants and who love it. It makes them tick. And they you know? loved it. So yeah, I just, I just think that we can take the things that happen, quote unquote, to us and make it happen for us. Turn it around into some sort of who we are and what we're going to do with it the being and the doing that you talked about. A hundred percent. And thank you for being so open and honest and vulnerable about not only your past, but equally as important what you're doing about it. I know a lot of your service work and a lot of your personal mission within is because of the past pain and the past learnings as we'll call them. But I'll, I'll say this, you know, you brought up a very personal example and I appreciate that on a business level, because we do have a lot of business folks listening in right now, even let's take it to uh, an entrepreneurial space. Like, okay, big fan of Shark Tank as an example. If you were to think about a product or service that an entrepreneur creates, it's based on the reason they want to create a new or better mousetrap is because they're not happy right. with the current one. Yeah, totally. Like there was a pain in your life. It's why it's why as an example, and I say this as a proud parent of now a, a one year old as of a couple of days ago, like some of those things that you're like, oh, my gosh, I wish I had X. And then there's some people that go ahead and invent X. Right. Oh, because absolutely. they're not happy with the current. So I think it, while pain and purpose sound like very extreme words, basically, is there a discomfort in your life? Is there something that you would say is not ideal in your life? And. Now the question becomes, now what do you do about it? And there could be purpose within the process of making life better tomorrow than it is today. And I'm just using an entrepreneurial skin as an example there. But, you know, I think that could apply to a lot of us. Oh, you know, I, I interviewed Reshma Sojani, the, the founder of Girls Who Code, and she, you know, sort of ran for Congress, lost, 
But in her tour of schools and to find out what was going on in her community, she was struck by the fact that there weren't enough girls in tech. And she's not a tech person herself, but that was a pain for her. She didn't like seeing that. She was a lawyer by trade, but she saw what was happening out in the universe and she said, this isn't right. So she started Girls Who Code and she learned that not only do we need to train more girls to be in tech, but even the way that we have been raised, we haven't been raised to, you know, girls are like in their dress on the swing and everyone's like, oh, be careful, don't get your dress dirty. And boys are jumping off the, the, the jungle gym and no one's paying attention. The, the allowance for risk in a boy versus girl, and I don't mean to be gendered because it can apply to, to, to somebody who's gender neutral, who identified as something else, but in general, just to sort of repeat what she, what she said, she saw that this was like, this is how we are being raised, and that's not right either. And when girls code, they can't worry too much about being perfect because coding doesn't work that way. You have to make lots of mistakes. You have to fall off the jungle gym. And so not only was she training girls in tech, she was retraining girls to not be so worried about failure, to not be so worried about taking risks, to not worry about falling off the jungle gym or getting your dress dirty. And that was reconditioning people. But she saw a huge pain. And I, I say this because, again, like it's not comfortable for me to be interviewed. I like to do the interviewing, and so I'm reflecting back on other people's <laughs> stories. I think that, like you said, I, they're much more interesting than my own. So, yeah, that was a pain for her, and now she is doing that, and now she is seeing as a mother that that mothers are having issues, especially during the global pandemic, having so much put upon them, and she's working on that. So she continues to see pain, and she is somebody who I admire greatly because she is continuing to take that pain and form a purpose and not get bogged down on it, not complain about it, not sit over coffee with girlfriends and just be like, oh, this stinks. But she's doing something about it and she's changing the world. Love, love, love it. All right, Eva, this is, this is it? we're going to get out of here on a lighter note. <laughs> okay. We're going to get out of here on a lighter note, uh, grand finale. And I say this, I've asked this question to others, but I think in your case, it actually might be a heck of a lot more interesting because you have had the honor and privilege of sitting on the same stages and across tables from uh, many of what we would consider the who's who of the world. So I'm going in the direction of you could have a cup of coffee with one person. Who would it be? And it could be dead or alive in your case. And you can't cop out and say it's somebody you've already Already done it with somebody oh, I can't. that maybe you have yet. <laughs> Actually, I'll remove the barrier. No, 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 I, no, I no, 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 authentic that's okay. answer. No, no, no. I want your authentic answer. Doesn't matter whether you've already been with them or if it's future based, dead or alive. If you could have one cup of coffee, one conversation, who would you have it with, and why? Okay, this is the way that we've this whole interview has gone. So I apologize for this, but like I said, I'm a talker. That's why I just would prefer to interview because then I don't have to do too much talking. But um. I'm going to answer in two parts. One, I'm going to say somebody who I just interviewed because you asked me earlier, was there a famous person who taught you a life lesson? And it's, I just interviewed Ariana Huffington and I haven't had so much fun in so long. And she taught me this beautiful, beautiful life lesson. And that is, it's not about just chasing the grind. It's not about the two tenets of like power and money. There has to be sort of that internal happiness, you know, and, and she had to go through a lot to, to decide that. But it's like, Shut off your phone, shut off the, the noise and just put it away um, and you'll just be a happier and more contented person. And I, I love I would highly recommend everybody go and check out Thrive because I think yes. it is going to Amazing. change the way that we work and that we live so that we are not suffering the burnout that we are suffering, especially amidst COVID. Right. It's just incredible. And we don't need to live like Amen. that. We do not need to live like that. Um, 
So I would love to have more coffee with her. And I hope I do one day because this was actually, she wasn't in the room with me. She was on a screen and I was in the room. So I'd love to have coffee with her. Uh, but let's see, dead or alive, who would I like to, um, hmm, that's a trick. Because the thing is, is that, you know what? I'm not going to do what we talked about that a lot of people do and give you an answer that you really, really want to hear. Okay. So I'm going to tell you something that's really, really frivolous. I would love to have a conversation with Alfred Hitchcock. When I was growing up, I watched all the movies. My sister and I, and it's carried over to this day. I love a good murder mystery. I love a good crime drama. That that is just my favorite when it comes to like watching TV and just getting sucked in. I would love to have a conversation with Alfred Hitchcock and just pick his brain about where all the movies came from and why. And and also because I'd love to know, was he a psychopath or just an incredibly genius person who had a creative mind? So that would be really fun for me to just sit down over coffee and, and pick his brain. But it's not like a business or purpose driven, you know, kind of answer. It just um, that we'd have to go to Ariana Huffington, because I think that we really can all look to her as to how we can live life in a different way and really enjoy what we're doing and still thrive. Yeah. Well, you say it's not a as much of a purpose answer. I'll tell you what type of answer both are, both in Ariana as well as with Hitchcock. It's authentic to you. When I ask who you would want to have the cup of coffee with, there is no right or wrong answer. There is no bad or good answer. It is what is authentic to you and you speak your truth. And just like today, if we were to wrap our mind around that one word that inspires us, the Latin definition of inspire is to breathe life into. The core thing, while we spoke about many, but the core that I will always remember about this conversation, and I hope that every playmaker listening in remembers, is authenticity. And so now I challenge every playmaker that has been on the edge of their seat, just hanging out, getting a workout in, sitting in trap, whatever they were doing while they were listening to this conversation, what is the word that inspires you? What is a word that breathes life into you and then commit to understanding that word, defining that word, and then putting action against that word. So that way they're just going to be your most authentic self. Eva, today was absolutely awesome. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the wisdom, the knowledge, the vulnerability, the courage, just, just being you. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. What a fun thing to do. I didn't have to do three, two, one for this. This was a fun thing to do. <laughs> it's wonderful talking to you and with you. And I got to say, Paul, everyone should call you if they don't know what their purpose is. Yes. I love that you gave them like, just stick to one, you know, do it's baby steps, right? You don't need to know everything now. But I also, when I spoke earlier um, in our, in our talk, I said, if you don't know exactly what it is, go talk to a coach, go talk to somebody who can help you. Paul, any day of the week, I will recommend people to come talk to you because you just have these beautiful insights and you have this way of really honing in on the true nature of people and bringing that out. And, and I just think that is incredibly special. And I want to thank you because this was wonderful for me as well today. Oh, thank you so much. It, it warms my heart, warms my soul. And with that, uh, bear hugs, virtual, virtual bear, bear hugs, hugs and tall playmakers. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you, Eva Saha, for being here today. It's time to level up. Let's go live on purpose. Loved what you just heard? Subscribe to Playmakers on purpose on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you tune in from. And for all of today's show notes, head over to playmakerspod.com, where you can not only enjoy resources from this show, but all previous episodes as well. 
And last call, if you haven't already, you can now take your personal why assessment in under five minutes for free at whyinstitute.com slash playmakers. Playmakers is produced by Detroit Podcast Studios in collaboration with Purpose Point. See you next time as we continue to make plays on purpose together. <laughs>